Praise the Lord. You know, my wife, uh, daughter, and I, uh, we, for a few days, we went kind of traveling around a little bit. Uh, in, uh, we were actually in Pennsylvania, went down to Philadelphia area, and then we were on a bunch of back roads and stuff. And whenever I go someplace that I really like, I always make this comment to my wife, and of course it's always somewhat in jest, but I always say, you know, we should come plant a church down here. We should, you know, there should be a family church down there. And really what I mean by there should be a family church down there is that I just want to move somewhere else and do something else, you know. But, you know, as, I, uh, as we've been gone just a few days, you know, and we got back, uh, it, it's always good to be back home. It's always good to be back where you're at. But the reason I bring that up is because the idea of even being able to say that we should plant a church down here is the idea, or wherever, is the, is the fact that they don't have one. Amen? Now, when I say they don't have one, I don't know what kind of churches each area has, so I can't vouch for them or, or I can't argue against them. Not that I would do either necessarily, but my, my point is, is that we know what God has given us where we are. Amen. And I'm so thankful for what God has given us where we're at. <laughs> because we can always, <clears throat> you know, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, or so it seems. <clears throat> you know, it always seems better somewhere else. But man, when you really think about what God has done, you know, there's been so many times where in our lives, we, you know, and I've heard people say this too, it's like, oh, to, to be able to live in Jesus' time, what a wonderful thing that would be, or to live in biblical times, or to be able to walk those things out. But you have to remember that those people were just walking things out just like you and I are. You know, they didn't know everything that was going to happen next. They didn't know <clears throat> everything that they were going to do. They took small steps of faith. But they learned who to connect to, amen? And that's exactly what we do. We spend our lives taking small steps of faith. And uh, in the end, it builds a bigger picture, doesn't it? In the end, there's, uh, there, there, there's something greater that we look to, you know, and when you, uh, we, one of the things we did is we like to do, uh, we like to tour uh, buildings and we toured this famous architectural gem down there near Philly. And it was designed by a man named Frank Lloyd Wright. And, you know, uh, even when people began to, to, to appreciate him in his lifestyle, or in his life, not his lifestyle, definitely in his life, lifetime, they learned to, because he didn't have the greatest lifestyle, but uh, they learned to appreciate him in his lifetime. But even more so after he passed, that his buildings are appreciated, you know. And it's, it, and it's in those, you know, uh, moments, you, you hear, when you, whenever you tour one of his buildings, you'll hear bits and pieces about his life, you know. And, you, and, and you'll see, oh, that he went through this, or he went through that, or he did this and did that. In fact, this building that he built, by the time they had finished it, uh, they had invested, and this is like in the mid-50s, it was a synagogue for a, a, a Jewish congregation. They had invested somewhere, uh, it was around or $1.5 million, which, you know, even that many years ago was, this, I mean, it's a significant amount today, but it was very much so back then. But you know when they, they started it, the rabbi who, uh, who asked him to design a building for them, uh, uh, you know, because he was the type of architect that you didn't just pay to come, he had to agree whether or not he wanted to do your project. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the stature he was at. Well, this rabbi asked him, and he agreed to it. And he had turned down many, uh, many synagogues already. But one of the things that he did 
was uh, the, the rabbi said to him is like, you know, after he told him about the project, what they wanted to do, and he, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright decided, agreed to take it, the project on, <clears throat> the rabbi said, but I have to let you know, we don't have any money. Yeah. Glory to God, not even a penny. And so he, he said, that's okay. He said, uh, uh, and, and a lot of architects, even, even architects that you're paying, if you said they don't have any money, they'd walk off the job. But, you know, there was something, there was vision in him for certain things, and that's why he did such great things. But I, I say all that to talk about, like, you know, all of those things began in small places. That they, you know, this this monolithic structure of a of a building, and I was in there, and and honestly, even though it was a synagogue, I really did feel God in there. I, I knew that God's presence was there, and uh, you know, I'm in this building, and it had the the ceiling in the center is a hundred feet high to give you a, some kind of indication of how tall that is. This this ceiling is about twelve foot tall, and so the center of their sanctuary was a hundred feet high, and it was this project that at times it never looked like it was going to get done. It wasn't going very far, but you know, all of these all these little steps ended up making that thing possible and today of course it's something that that people will come from all over the world to look at and you know I, I say all that to really to lead into the service that we're talking about today because today's message is about having small steps of faith in fact uh, I the, the 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 name of the sermon is how much will you have I don't know if they well they do have they got it in there good amen because literally this sermon came by small steps of faith. And what I mean is the reason that you may not have seen me right before service is because I was finishing the sermon in the back room. Now, just to let you know that I wasn't, uh, I, I wasn't coming here unprepared, I had written a sermon for this, this service uh, like two, two days ago. And so I had already, and then I had rewritten several others in between, all for this service. And so it's not that I came with a, a lack of preparation or a lack of desire to bring something to you. But I do believe that the Lord was bringing this for a specific purpose in a specific time. Now, just in case you don't know, even, even on a person like myself, when you get to a church that you've got to preach at and you don't have a sermon finished, and now I'm going to take it even a step further because even up until the point where I walked up here to take the service, there was no faith in my flesh of what I was going to preach. I was, am I going to go this way? Am I going to go that, that way? I didn't really know. And in fact, even as I started my prayer, I wasn't fully sure of which direction I was going to go in. Now, if you don't know me, that's not kosher. That's not okay. And I'm not just saying kosher. Maybe I am just because I was around some Jewish people this week. But it wasn't kosher nonetheless. It wasn't something that I approved of. And I let God know that I didn't necessarily approve of it. Praise the Lord. But we, we do know that we need to learn to trust God. And trust in God, the only way that you're ever going to learn true faith or true trust in God is by taking little steps of faith. In fact, I'm going to say this a little later on in the sermon, but I'll say it now because it just seems to fit here, that everything big is born through some, something small. If you understand our universe and the way that our universe works, our universe today is bigger than it was yesterday. And it was much bigger than it was when it was created because our universe is provable that it's expanding, that it's, it's, it, it expanded from a single point and it's going out into the world, or not into the world, into a greater vast of vastness of whatever. 
And this doesn't, uh, this correlates with scripture and, and falls right in line with, with scripture, uh, regardless of what you believe. Uh, it, it fits uh, the narrative of scripture. And we might even touch on that today if, if we get a chance. But everything big comes from something small. And if you want to get somewhere in faith, if you want to get somewhere with God, you have to realize that where you're starting uh, isn't necessarily going to be where you're going. But part of that is also knowing that maybe you've come in and you're at a place where you're like, I don't even know if I'm good enough for anything. Listen, God created everything from just things that are, are, are impossible to see. And so if that's the truth, I mean, you can't see what a cell looks like as you look at your body, and yet every single one of us is made up of cells. In fact, the greatest creature that exists, the, the largest creature that has ever existed on the earth still exists today. It's the, the blue whale, the sperm whale. Blue whale, sperm whale. Blue whale. It's the blue whale. It's an enormous creature. It's the biggest one that has ever existed. And that is made up of, just like you and me, the same small, tiny little little particles or cells and uh, something that you and even smaller than that you know you have molecules and atoms and all those things but uh, th this isn't done uh, haphazardly by the Lord he's done this on purpose and, and and this teaches us a lot about faith and that's what we're going to get into today how much will you have and we're going to start Mark eleven twenty two. this scripture has been so much on my heart lately I've been using it over and over and over uh, in both churches in fact uh the series I'm teaching in Mayville, I uh, didn't even really expect to start a series, but I did, and then I've been preaching on it for maybe four or five weeks, maybe even more than that. And it's all based uh, on this, this, this very idea here, Mark 11.22. And so we're going to go there again because uh, it, it's a good foundation, and I believe that it's a foundation for what the Lord is doing with it in our midst in this time period. You know, that God will bring things, of course, there's different messages, different directions that things will go. You know, that scriptures can be used like that. There, there's uh, a lot of times, anyways, that scriptures can be, have multiple purpose in them. And we can, we can get a lot out of them. And that's exactly what this is. So don't be afraid if you've heard it before or, or discouraged or disheartened. We're going to get somewhere really good. Amen? Yeah. Praise God. And it says here, and Jesus answered them, answered saying to them, have faith in God. I love that he said these words. I love that he answered uh, the, the uh, Apostle Peter this way when he was talking about, uh, they were talking about the fig tree that Jesus cursed and it, and it dried up from the roots. And, and when they asked or they questioned it or they, they brought it up that it happened and they were perplexed, they were surprised that this thing happened. Glory to God. Jesus' response was have faith in God. It wasn't, it wasn't even have faith in me. It wasn't do what I do, but it was have faith in God. Yes. Jesus was always pointing to something else. He was always pointing to the will of the Father. Jesus claimed that he didn't do what he wanted to do. He only did what God wanted him to do or what he saw the Father do. But we have to understand that that doesn't, uh, that didn't happen just because he automatically knew it. That happened because Jesus actively sought the will of the Father. And, you know, it takes faith to do so. Because the will of the Father has, although there's been aspects of it written down, and we can see the aspects of God's will, uh, his will for humanity, his overall will for, for creation and the things that he wants to do, what we don't see is God's will for our individual lives. 
There's nothing in here that will completely correlate to what's going on in 2022. Amen? There's nothing that, uh, he said nothing about Cory, Pennsylvania, or Spartansburg, praise the Lord, or, or Mayville, New York, or Faulkner, or Gary, or wherever the heck you live, uh, you know, or whatever they call it these days, praise God, and they do have a name for it. Jamestown, you know, uh, Sugar Grove, praise the Lord. I'm just telling where everybody lives. I'm sorry, but they can't see your faces, so it's okay. Just uh, uh, glory to God. So there's, you know, there's all these places, and we don't necessarily see them here. We don't see, you know, uh, specifically different things that we're dealing with, although we can see them in principle. We don't always know the day-to-day. But see, that's the way that God always wanted it. That's the way he always had it. As he had his people and directed his people, they didn't always know from the beginning what they were, gonna, what they were going to do in the end. They didn't know until they, a lot of times until they got there. In fact, we're going to see that tonight. We're going to see that in faith. But Jesus said, have faith in God. And that's an important thing. When he said, have faith in God, the first thing we can understand by hearing those words that if Jesus was telling us to do something, then he, then he obviously thought that it was something we could do. And how many think that if Jesus thinks that we could do something, we probably can? Well, Jesus said, have faith in God. And so... Uh, and he was talking about having faith in God. This is what Jesus said. They pointed to what Jesus did as, a, as they recognized it as miraculous. But Jesus then, instead of saying, this is what I do, he said, this is what you do. I want you to, to really think about that. Because what he was saying is, is, you've witnessed something miraculous happen, have faith in God. And there's a reason that he directs that and directs us people that way. He's still speaking this to us today. It's still have faith in God. As we go about life, it's about having faith in God. The question is, is how much faith are we going to have in God? Well, I'm going to tell you how much faith you have in God will determine how much of God you get. Because God is accessed through faith. We know that through faith, it's faith that brings us salvation. Salvation is the, is the first and foremost doorway into the Father, to the Father. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. And we often recognize that as salvation, as we think about that as salvation, that is the doorway that God has given us to himself. But it comes through having faith in God. You know what we need as we walk through life is faith in God. We need to be able to trust God. You know, one of the, one of the four or five messages I was going to preach to you tonight, maybe I'll, I'll touch on all of them. Who knows what's going to go on tonight? Because I certainly don't. But uh, 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 one of the messages I was going to talk to you about is the times we're living in, 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 in the end times, and, 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 and what do we do with this? And you know what the overall, and, and, I, and I brought up, I had lots of great scriptures to bring you of, of what you can stand on and what you can look to and the truth that you can know about the end times. But you know what? I can sum them all all up in just a few words. Have faith in God. Four words. Praise the Lord. I can sum it up all in that. Because the Bible tells us not to worry about it. It tells us things that we can expect and things that we'll see and, and this will happen and that will happen. And then there's different commentators who will say, well, this applies to us. And other people will say, no, that doesn't apply to us. But you know what the theme of all of it is anyways? To trust the Lord. That's what trusting God is. To have faith in God is to trust God. That's literally what it is. We trust God in our lives. We trust God that as we come to the pulpit with, with no real clear direction that we're going to leave and people are going to be fed something. That's what my faith is. Otherwise, I wouldn't even shown up here. 
I had the, you know, I had the, the moment in the back room where I thought, should I just call my wife in here and say, hey, do you want to preach tonight? Because I, I ain't got nothing, you know, amen. And I've done that before, praise the Lord, and she's done it, amen. Glory to God, but I, I, I wasn't willing to do that. We're gonna fight. We were gonna fight through it, Amen. And then as I get here, of course, there's unction, and that's the point that I'm trying to bring out is that it's, it doesn't surprise me, I guess, so much that I'm gonna talk about faith in God, and He's gonna make me utilize it all the way up until the time of, of preaching it, Amen. Glory to God. But how much are you willing to have? How much faith in God are you really willing to have? Are you really willing to put it all in the line that when you hear the scripture, when you get the direction, when you know the direction you have to go, are you really willing to put it all in the line? Amen. But you know, we have to understand this with that. Because that, when we, you know, in our circles, we teach those kinds of things a lot. Like, you know, are you really willing to trust God? Are you, gonna, are you on the proverbial cliff and you're going to step out into nothingness trusting God? Are you really going to do that? And of course, that stirs people to want to do big things. I know as we, as we hear these things, you know, it's like we talk about big faith and believing God big and, and thinking big thoughts and having big things. And God wants to do big things in my life. And I'm a little man, but God wants to do big things and, and, and utilize me in great ways. And, and all these things we think big, 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 big. But all of this starts in a little seed. It starts from a little place. And so we have to understand if we want big faith, we're going to need to start with little faith. Because if we don't start with little faith, we can't ever build to the big faith. Amen? Glory to God. And so now we're going to get into the, 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 the heart of this message. We're going to be starting to talk about little faith. How much are you willing to have? Uh, Luke, let's turn, go ahead and turn your mark. Go ahead and turn to Luke. 16, verse 10. Praise Jesus. Luke 16, verse 10. Jesus says here, He was faithful in a very little thing, is faithful also in much. What he's saying is, is that a person who is faithful in a little thing can be trusted to be faithful in much. But the, the, the reverse is true also. That you won't be faithful in much if you won't be faithful in what's little. This is something I see Christians kind of bypass so much in life. You know, they want to do big things for the Lord, and so they want to jump right into it. Maybe even the Lord has spoken to your heart and showed you this great ministry that you're going to have someday, or this great, uh, this great uh, place that you're going to get to someday, or these, you know, the people that you're going to reach. And everybody wants to start there. But the thing that I've learned is that there is never a start there. In fact, I was listening to a minister speak, and I love this. He said, you know, he said, when I started off, I went through a few years of basically hell on earth when he started off in the ministry. Now, this man was a fourth-generation minister. He had been raised in, in, in ministry. He had been raised in church. He had given his life to the Lord at an early age, and he was faithful. He was started, to, started to be utilized uh, preaching when he was 16 years old, which is, is young to be able to be trusted to do such a thing, but he was, he was able to do so. But when he started getting into his own ministry, even years later, that there was a process of uh, 
kind of qualifying, so to speak. There was a process that he had to walk through. It didn't just happen overnight. You know, Jesus was saying to the disciples, and of course at this point, they hadn't done a whole lot. But he was telling them, have faith in God. He was teaching them as they go. That there is a process of things. You know, and you don't get to the fig tree. You don't get to cursing the fig tree. I remember when I first started learning about any of this stuff. You know, I got really excited. So I started binding and loosing things. I started cursing things. I started, you know, moving mountains with my faith. Literal mountains. I used to go up, you know, and speak to things and just, just command them to change and all that. And I didn't see all that right away. You see, that doesn't happen overnight. Just because, just because you read something doesn't mean you got faith in your heart. Just because you walked with Jesus. I mean, they had been with Jesus for a time. They had already seen him change water into wine. They had already seen him do heal uh, who knows how many people. And yet he's still talking them through this process. Still building something on the inside of them. Isn't that interesting? Amen. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is also unrighteous in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? See, a lot of people, they, 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 miss, oh, they, they hear these scriptures, but they really miss what the heart of this is. If you're not going to be faithful with a little bit, God isn't going to bless you with more. You can force your way into more sometimes. You can, you know, you can make things happen, but that doesn't always equate to God blessing it. And what happens is when you do that, see, what God builds in us is character. He wants to build character so we can sustain the anointing, so we can carry the things that God has for us to carry. You know, in a church uh, congregation, you, you, you start a church and you think, well, by God, it's got to fill up overnight because I'm really inspired. I'm really, I'm really you know, uh, I'm, re I'm really uh, on fire about this work. I really believe it's the will of God. And that's how I was when I came to Cory, Pennsylvania. Oh, I'd already started one church. By God, I can do it again. Praise the Lord. I don't need, I, I don't, all I need is this, this, and this. I had it all figured out. All I got to do is show up. And do the same things I did in Mayville. And so I showed up and did the same things I did in Mayville. And guess what they weren't doing? They weren't working. They weren't doing anything. I was, see, I was coming at it. And then I remember one day when the Lord had me pull out, we had, we, we, specifically, we had three, three people that the Lord had me call up. And the thing that the Lord had directed me and what he had showed me was precious was that those three people were seeds. That they were seed to what he wanted to do. Well, one of those disconnected completely. Glory to God. And that can be disheartening. You know, and when you start seeing that, and at one time we had even grown a little bit, even more than what we have now, and then it shrank back down a little bit. And then that was disheartening. But see, what happens is God is going to grow us through a process in everything of faithfulness. Where will you be no matter what it is? How much do you really believe? Do you really trust God that, that where you're at is, uh, even if it's little, can be something great? Do you trust that God has you where, or do you truly trust that he has you where you are? And see, all these little things matter, and they matter to him. If you're not faithful in what's least, 
why would he increase you to more? You know, during the pandemics, one of the, when, when the pandemic started and it was big, one of the things that I would have done in a heartbeat is given away two churches. I'm just telling you the truth. I only have two, but I would have given them both away. Amen. Why? Because I didn't want to deal with it at that, at that time. And one of the things I thought about is I thought about those pastors who have three and four and five hundred uh, person congregations. Or what about those who have three, six, seven thousand I didn't, you know, my numbers, you know, understand, but, uh, you know, they have those thousands of people in their congregation. You know, thousands is a lot harder to deal with, a lot more to deal with than three is. And, and, and are you going to do so uh, in faith is, is the thing that God is, is going to build in you. And so that's what we have to understand, that whatever is in our hearts, they can be big things and let big things, I, I, you know, Really, a lot of times in Christianity, it's a lack of vision that's the problem. It's that people can't see what God wants to do or they won't see what God wants to do. But even if you can see what God wants to do, understand that it's going to start in a place that's much smaller than where you're going. Amen? And that's exactly what, what, what the heart of this is, is about, is to not to keep us or to hinder us from doing big things, but for us to fully embrace the little places that we're at. In fact, in Zechariah 4.10, it talks about not despising the day of small beginnings. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Just because you're at a place where and you can see so much for, more for you, or so much more for what, where God wants to take you, don't despise the place where you're at right now. And what I mean by that is not in the church that you're at or whatever, but that could be included. Not the, uh, it could be the house that you're in. It could be the job that you're in. See, if we learn to do all things as unto the Lord, in other words, if we learn to truly have faith in God that what, what we're doing is as much as I know in the will and the place that God wants me to be, praise God, that's something that he can build on. That's something he will build on. <laughs> What God won't do, though, is take one who, who refuses to recognize the place that they're at as being good and uh, increase them with more. God will not take us into more if, we don't, if we're not going to be faithful with where we're at already. I love this minister. I, I don't even know who it, was, it is now, and, and that's okay because I'm actually getting to that place where I just want to stop quoting people specifically from the pulpit because I'm just tired of that. Like, if we want to do it, let's quote Jesus. Let's quote, you know, one of the writers of the New Testament or, or, or the, the Bible in general. Uh, let's do that. You know, that's just kind of the way I look at it. But, you know, every once in a while I fall into that too. Amen. But at any rate, this pastor, this minister said, he, you know, he, he had a terrible bed. It was awful. He had a hard time sleeping on it. You know, I think he was a missionary or something like that in another country. And, and, and they, uh, you know, he, he came, uh, he went to the Lord and he was praying. He's like, Lord, bring me a new bed. You know, I need a new bed. And that's not a, a wrong thing to cry out for. But he did this many times, and all of a sudden one day he heard the voice of the Lord speak to him, and he said, you haven't thanked me for the one that you have yet. You know, and that's such a, a, a principle that we forget about sometimes is, you know, in thanking God isn't just about, it isn't just about getting on, on your knees and giving him lip service. Do you know that you can give God lip service in prayer? Oh, God, I love you so much. Jesus said, don't say that you love me and don't do the things I told you to do. It doesn't matter if you tell Jesus you love him. He's not moved because you said, I love you. 
I said, Jesus isn't moved because you said, I love you. He's moved when you show that you love him. You know, Jesus, uh, he, he, he said, don't call me Lord and don't do the things I've commanded you. You know, you know, we call Jesus Lord. Jesus is my Lord. But then there's a lot of Christians that do that, or a lot of believers that do that, and then they never do what God has, has instructed them to do. They won't even do the word, much less seek him on anything else. And you see, that's, that's the thing. When we, when, we look at, when we look for justification for the things that we do, instead of justification from the things that we do. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, we're trying to justify everything we do, so we just keep doing the things that we do. I find Christians do that. You know, it's kind of a popular thing to do, and when you're doing something wrong, well, you don't want to admit to it, of course. you got to justify why you do it, instead of just looking at the Word and saying, you know, this is, it, it is wrong. You know, the first step of making something right is recognizing that it's wrong. But the reason I bring all this up is because, you know, we, we, we can say, oh, I'll, I'll be faithful in the greater things. But he said, you're not being faithful to little things. Are you stewarding the, the things that God has given you right now? Do you know, and not just uh, uh, the, 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 bed, the bed being an example, not just thanking him for the one that you have, but being thankful for what you have. You know, there's a big difference between those two things. You can say it, but it's different to live it and to do it. You know, to, to be with our finances, people want God to increase their finances. But so often, they're so unfaithful with finances. What do I mean? People, you know, I, I would say a majority of Christians don't even budget their money. Budgeting your money is being a poor steward of the money that God's given you. If you don't budget your money, there is no way God's going to bless you with more. Why? Because you don't even know what you have now. You know, and, and, and that's something that, that we, you know, my wife and I, we have been, because it was taught to us, and until it was taught to us, our lives didn't change. But finally, when we did it, all of a sudden, God was able to do things in our life that he was never able to do before. You know, there's people that, that, that you know, they, 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 they want a better job or something, but they're not faithful to the one that they have. I've been in this position before. I didn't show up on time. I didn't do the things that I, I was supposed to do or the way I was supposed to do. That's not being faithful. God will not increase that. Amen? Praise God. And you might think, well, how does all this stuff matter? Because God teaches us spiritual things through natural things. If you don't believe me, look at the parables that Jesus taught. If you don't believe me, look at the, the examples over and over and over and over in Scripture. God always teaches spiritual truths through natural means. Why? Because he created this world to be an example of, uh, of things in the spirit realm. We've heard that prayer, I think, somewhere. There's a prayer that says something to the nature of on earth as it is in heaven. You know, it makes that, 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 uh, that, that reference. I can't think of, you know, where, where I heard that. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a Baptist prayer or something. I don't know. Or a Catholic prayer. I, I don't know. It just, but I think, I think it was somewhere, you know, in, in, in religious circles. On earth as it is in heaven. Well, there's a reason for that. You know, God told Moses to build the temple according to the, the plan that I've given you, according to the one that's in heaven. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Turn to Matthew, 12, or Matthew 14. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Matthew 14. Matthew 14, verse 22. You know, in a message like this isn't meant to, like, make you feel worse about yourself. You know, sometimes we'll have messages like that that are kind of corrective or kind of deal with things. But they're, they're to make us, I, I want to remind you what the Lord spoke to me down in somewhere, 
down south somewhere where I was, he, you know, I heard in my spirit those words, everything I'm doing in you, I'm trying to make you better. And that's exactly what a message like this is for. God wants us to get into what faith gets us into. Jesus didn't, <clears throat> Jesus, again, think about this, when, he, when they were asking about the fig tree and what he had done, he turned it around on them and said, have faith in God. Right. Amen? There's a reason he did that. Because he wants them to get into something. And of course, we see them get into something later. And this is where we're going to start. Matthew 14, verse 22. This just happens to be one of my, my favorite uh, accounts in Scripture. I just love it. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go, go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, this is right after he fed the, the, the multitude of people, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Now, I, I think this is interesting how, how Jesus, you know, in, 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 I believe that this is what was happening. Of course, we know that Jesus was always led by the Spirit. And so that he didn't just do things haphazardly. So the fact that he was hurried, that he sent the people away, sent the disciples on, and then he went to the mountain to pray, that's, that was kind of the, 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 the thing that happened here. Why did Jesus do that? Well, certainly there was an unction on the inside of him that he needed to get into something. Do you know, one of the greatest places that, that faith is, is first born and then practiced is in that little unction. To, to break away from whatever is going on in the moment, whatever is keeping you busy in the moment, and, and taking time to seek God and finding out what, what he wants to do. You know, I find, find that a lot. Of course, recently I gave you that example. I think it was last week I was talking about, or the last, maybe the last few weeks I was talking about <clears throat> how the Lord had directed me on that property and not, not getting into it and and what he showed me was me getting into deeper things, uh, you know, in study versus me doing things of the natural. And, of course, there was a choice that I had to make because I only had so much time. Well, you realize we only have so much time. And, again, I want you to reflect on what I started the service, surface, service off saying. And that's uh, talking about how, you know, uh, that life is lived, it's walked out, and the lives of these people were walked out each and every day as they made decisions throughout the day. In fact, if you watch Paul through the book of Acts, it's really interesting how he's going one place and then another, and sometimes he doesn't even know where he's going or why he's going, he just does. Sometimes he doesn't because he just senses. That's all the Lord Working in, and that's how God still operates in us. He starts. He, he starts with the little things, little unctions, little directions, and that was another message I was going to preach today about about the unction. Glory to God! And so here we are. Amen. But here we see Jesus's unction. Amen. <clears throat> and he, so he went up to pray. He was there alone, but the boat, uh, but the boat was already a long distance from land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night. He came to them walking on the sea. Now, this is a man who spent time with God. Of course, we know he was God, but he also spent time with God. And the reason we know that he spent time with God is because he did something nobody else has done, uh, did before, and something that no one else has done since, and that's walked on top of the water. Praise the Lord. I mean, even the Israelites, the water split, they didn't walk on top of it. Amen. <clears throat> 
Well, anyways, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said it is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now see, Peter had obviously spent some time with Jesus, enough to know that if, if he said something like that, that and Jesus uh, agreed to it, that it could happen. So Peter at least had that much faith in God. You know, Jesus had told Peter, have faith in God. Well, he was having faith in God. He was saying, if it's truly you, then call to me and I'll come. And then I love the, the, the Lord's answer. He said, come. And then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. So now we, we see Peter doing the exact same thing that Jesus was doing. I said no one had done after, but obviously Peter was involved in this at least for a moment. Amen. And he started moving towards Jesus in this faith. So he stepped, I mean, it took, you know, a lot of people will look at accounts like this and they'll say, well, we know what is going about to happen. Peter's about to sink because of the lack of faith and all that stuff. But here's the thing. You might want to pick on Peter, but you've got to ask yourself, would you have ever gotten out of the boat? I mean, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't step out of a boat when the, wave, when the, when the water's flat most of the time, but when, it, when there's waves, even, even less likely. Amen? Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> and so he was walking, but seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand <clears throat> and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Amen. Remember, this is the same Jesus that said, have faith in God. What he was still saying to Peter today is, in, in this account is, have faith in God. When he said come, it was equivalent of saying have faith in God. You can trust the word of God. You can trust what it tells you to do. Even when the wind is contrary. Even when the waves are contrary. Even when the things that are happening in life are contrary to what the word of God said. See, Jesus said, come out, step out into the water, into the storm. Go ahead and do it. That's what, the words come, that's what it meant. It meant come do something that you weren't able to do before. Peter did that for a minute. And sometimes we will step out for a minute. Sometimes it's easy to step out of the boat for a minute, so to speak. But then all of a sudden we get distracted by everything that's going on. We get distracted by the impossibility or the, the seeming impossibility of the thing. And we lose that faith in God. And see, what happens then is we start to sink. And then if we don't do something about it, we sink further. And see, what happens is instead of call, even calling out to God in those moments, what most people do is they just say, well, I guess it doesn't work. Well, I guess this just must not be God's will. You know, the Bible tells us to know God's will. And I can't push this enough because the whole concept of having faith in God can only be constructed around the knowledge of God's will. Because you can't have faith in something you can't believe or know is true. If you don't believe that God is healer, you will never see God as healer because you can't partake of that. You, won't, you can't have that faith. If you can't see God as a provider to your life, you'll never see that. If you can't see God as a miracle working God, you'll never be able to see that. But see, the thing is, God isn't going to start with the big miracles. He isn't going to start with the walking on waters. He's going to start with the every little, everyday little things. 
He's going to start with your faithfulness here and there. He's going to start with your faithfulness in the little things that you do every single day or don't do every single day. And that's what he's going to build from. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now we have to, we have to know that Jesus <clears throat> didn't see this as Peter's end, did he? And even though Peter had little faith, or what Jesus called little faith, what I would refer to as great faith, amen, uh, Jesus was still taking Peter somewhere. He was still taking us somewhere because we have this narrative now. We have this understanding. We, we get to, to read into the life of Peter, so to speak. Amen? And so now I want you to, uh, now I want you to turn with me to Acts 3. We'll go to verse 1. <clears throat> Acts 3. Verse 1. Now we're about to see a totally different Peter. Amen. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. Notice, uh, I don't know, I just saw this correlation. This is kind of interesting. The one we just read, or just before the miracle that Jesus did, he went up to the mountain to seek God. You know, prayer literally is to seek God. We can't get too uh, wrapped up in what prayer is. There's different kinds of prayer, and I think it's important to understand that. But, but we have to understand that the basic form of prayer is to seek God. It's, it, it's to talk to God, Amen. So when we see this, they came at the hour of prayer. They came up to the temple uh, in the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they uh, used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began, uh, began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. <clears throat> but Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of, Na of the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, so he didn't stop there with the words, Seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. Now what I want to draw your attention to is, is, is a few things. Number one, we do see the word immediately, but the immediately happened after. So the immediately didn't really happen immediately. It happened immediately after an action of faith. Now, we have to understand this, that at this point in time, they were going to uh, the, the temple of the hour of prayer, but that was probably not the only time that Peter and John sought the Lord. They, 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 they didn't just, oh, just wake up one day, man, I've really been behind on things. I need to go seek God. I need to get in his presence. I need it, so we're going to go, oh, now I'm going to heal somebody. It didn't happen that way. These people were, these, these, these men had grown to a place of utter devotion to, to, to the will and plan of God. The reason we don't see things the way that we, that we saw them there has nothing to do with the will of God. You have to understand that. Because nowhere in Scripture are we told that the will of God changes. In fact, we're told that the will of God does not change. 
when we see scripture from Genesis all the way through Revelation, we see healing. We see God's desire to heal. We got, uh, see God's desire to pour out miracles. And if you don't believe that, you just don't believe the Bible. That's all there is to it. I, I have debated this within myself. I can't tell you for how long because I wanted to prove otherwise. I wanted to prove that these things weren't true. But I cannot open these scriptures and not see that God because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God that does not change as in Malachi 3.6. He's the same God that led Moses and the, uh, and the Israelites, God's people, out of the land of Egypt in miraculous ways. And he's that same God today. But that same God operates the same way. And that's according to faith. Jesus taught them about faith. His purpose in being here was to teach them the will of the Father which we know that Jesus was the express image, right? The scripture tells us that it was express image of God. And we knew that he only did the will of the Father. And the will of the Father was, was pretty, it was basically to set the captives free. In fact, we stand on John 8, 31 and 32, that you shall know the truth, if you will know the truth, and that truth will set you free. You notice it's not even the power of God that sets us free, but it's the knowledge, it's the belief, it's the utter trust, it's the faith, it, the, it, the complete adherence to the truth of the word is what sets people free. But people, somewhere there's a disconnect. That we're not, we're, we're, we're not trusting it like that. We're not spending that time. We're not getting to know. We're not allowing that faith in us to grow. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Well, you can hear the word preached and then argue it for days. Yeah. Or you can receive the word preached and enjoy the benefits thereof. But that's exactly the way that the Bible works. That's the, exactly the way things of God work. Now, I'm not, I'm not so heartless to sit here and say, well, if, if somebody gets sick, sick and dies, it's all their fault. Because I don't believe that that's necessarily the truth. There, are, there is opposition, and we shouldn't twist a message like this to start trying to come down on ourselves and say, well, well this happened opposite for me in life, so I guess I must not have been ready, or, or I didn't use enough faith and stuff like that, because that's not the truth either. That's not, God isn't pointing at people, blaming them for all the chaos that happens in life. In fact, Jesus told us that there was opposition in life, there would be opposition in life, and there would continue to be opposition in life. But it also tells us, praise God, in 1 John 5, 4, it tells us whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory. Say, this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. It's faith that overcomes the world. It's faith that over, it's in the world that you'll see tribulation, in the world you'll see trial. God isn't putting sickness and disease on people. And yet somewhere people started teaching that. And you know why people started teaching that? Because they got away from the message of faith. They got away from the truth of faith. And what they started teaching is that everything that happens is somehow God's divine will. But we know if you read the scripture and actually believe it, it can't be God's will because he says it's not his will. Praise the Lord. Jesus walked and went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That was the will of the Father. Yet we know that not everybody was healed. What I mean was is that everybody that was around was healed. Jesus went to the, the, the pool of Bethesda and he raised up one man. And we're not told about any others. I have to imagine that if many other people were healed there that day, 
that, that, that there would have been some kind of an, uh, an account of it and not just the focus on one person. But the theme is always the same. It's according to faith. And faith is literally trust in God. What can you trust in God for? Well, that's really something that you need to determine. Because how much you trust you're going to have in God is going to determine what path you go down through life. Because our path can only be walked out, the true path of God can only be walked out by faith in God. In what you believe in Him. What you see in Him. If you see a God, if you look at God and see a God who wants people sick, you will never heal anybody including yourself. If you believe that it's God's will to make you sick, then stop going to doctors. Stop taking medicine. Stop doing things. If you break a bone, don't you dare go get it set. Because if it's not God's will to heal, in fact, I would do this. If, if, if it's not God's will to heal, and you really believe that, if you broke a bone, you better hope that that thing doesn't heal because then your bone's out of the will of God. See, God designed your body to heal. God designed your body to fix itself. And yet somehow in Christianity, it's gotten so hard for, I don't even know, I didn't plan on speaking about this, you know that I plan on speaking about everything else in the world but this tonight, amen? Glory to God. You know, we, 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 you know people have a hard time with, with, with any kind of miracle. The, you know, even things like laying on of hands, there's, there, there's people that just, and of course there's abuses and all these things. There's, there's preachers out there that are telling everybody that, you, you know, I'm just going to lay hands on you and you'll be healed. And if you don't, it's your fault. You know, I've seen that out there too. And, and that stuff stirs me up and gets me just as mad as it would you. But the point that I'm, you know, I'm trying to make is we need to get what God's will is on the thing. On all things. And that's where our faith needs to be built. Amen. Glory to God. We see this process of time in Peter's, uh, in Peter's walk with Jesus. He starts off in a place where there's little to no faith. He moves to a place where he can at least step out in faith. But then he moves to the place where he can't just step out, but he steps out and engages other people's faith. And this is what God is trying to grow in us. See, we start with a little faith, but God wants to build on that. And so, you know, I had mentioned that God, all things come out of uh, basically one little point. You know, I, I, uh, I happen to believe, I'm just going to be honest with you, I happen to believe in a big bang. I don't believe that it's anti-scriptural. And the reason I don't is because the Bible points to it. I'm going to take you to a scripture. Uh, and even if you don't believe in it, uh, which is fine if you don't want to believe in it, you, you, you cannot believe in it, and I can still not be a heretic. Amen? Because there's nothing in the Bible that describes exactly how it happens. But I want to bring your, your attention to something because this, this is important for us and it's not about teaching about the Big Bang and stuff like that. But it is talking about something, a phrase that I said earlier, small is where big is born. Now, I don't believe in evolution. I don't believe that we were formerly monkeys and now that we're humans. We were always humans from the, the beginning of the time we were created. I believe that God you know, created Adam and Eve. I don't believe he created, I don't believe he created them 6,000 years ago. Uh, first of all, the Bible never gives us a specific timeline on it, so I don't believe that that's accurate at all. That's some people's interpretation of it, but it's a very loose interpretation, and, and not even all, all scholars agree on that. So even if you believe that, it's a denominational thing, is what it is. Uh, it, it, it's not always been the, the, the position that the church has held. 
You know, and I say all this to, uh, for a reason. I say all this because sometimes we have to have our theology shaken up a little bit. Sometimes we have to have things challenged a little bit and making sure, and, and, and this was another message I was going to preach, by the way, is it about being time for truth. See, we're just getting a splattering of everything, I guess. We'll just have a little bit of it all. Um, but it's time for truth. That was the one that the Lord had put on my heart two days ago, is that, you know, living in truth. And it's okay if, we are, if our faith can't be questioned, if our theology can't be questioned, then it's not truth. Because Jesus allowed for that. God allowed for that. The Holy Spirit allows for us to be able to question things and see whether or not something is true. In fact, God has told us to test things. He says, test all things. Hold fast that which is good. Test all things. Is the Bible in all things? Is doctrine in all things? I would say that it's good. In fact, one of the proofs, Jesus said, even if you don't believe me for my words, believe me for what I do. Believe the proof that you see. You can test things. Like, listen, we don't have to be afraid that somehow science, you know, and, but see, this is the thing where, you know, people get into this battle and they're distracted from the, the greater things. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Amen. I'll be honest with you. I know I'm going out on a limb here a little bit. In the sense is, you know, sometimes you like, you know, you save some of this stuff for private conversations. Because people certainly will have questions, and some people will never ask the questions. Some people will just disconnect from you, and I've had that happen before. I had people leave us, so to speak, over some of these teachings, even though some of them have changed even with me. But it's not preaching against anything that the Bible says. It's, not, it's just teaching in line with it. But it says here, and we're talking about small faith, and there's a reason that these two things are connected here. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. <clears throat> so faith is based in something that's hoped for, but not necessarily seen. Right. Amen? For by it, men of old gained approval. Or they gained their testimony. Or they, 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 they had it. You know, they, by faith it was that they, they, they got through. Yeah. <clears throat> by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. So that that which is seen was not made out of things which are visible. The Bible tells us right here that the things that are seen, the things that we see, came from a place that we can't see. They came from an existence we don't understand. You know, scientists will call it a Big Bang. I call it the Word of God. You understand, that, that, that's where the things were born. When, when, when God spoke in something that did not exist came into existence, where did it come from? It didn't come from uh, another place because it didn't exist. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's the exact same thing that happened with all of creation. It, it came out of a place. You know, people can call it different things, but in the end, a duck is a duck. You understand? It's a, that's what it is. Well, why do I say this? Because the birth of faith comes from that very understanding, from that very place, the principles all, that God would use throughout all of creation were born in that single moment. Yeah. That moment where all things progressed forward, whatever it was. If you just want to say, okay, I can't stand the word Big Bang because too many scientists have used it, and I just want to say the word of God, fine, let's just stay there with that. That's okay. We can do that if that's where your conscience is going to... I mean, at some point you might have to branch out a little bit, but that's okay. We can stay there for right now. Let's look at from that point in time. The word of God was still a point in time. 
The, the, a second before it didn't exist. Actually, there was no second before because time didn't exist until he smoked it. You do understand that, right? The, even time had a beginning. God didn't have a beginning. He's bigger than time. But we know time had a beginning. Amen. Praise the Lord. I hope I'm not going too far out there and being a little too lofty for a, for a Saturday night slash Sunday morning and you know, the way we do it here in Corey, but glory to God. But we, we understand that all things started from that, 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 that little point. And so whatever God is going to do in your life, he doesn't start in the big stuff. He doesn't start. This is why people don't realize that talent is not a requirement to be used of God. And not only is it not a requirement, it's also not a, uh, it's not a, a, a license to the, to the, the inroad. You know what I mean? It's not, the, it's not the way into the pulpit. It's not the way. And talent has nothing to do with it. Right. Yeah. Amen? That God brings all things from that point. But understanding this is how God operates is a process that we have to be okay with. Because until we're okay with it, we're never going to build on it. God can't build on something. He couldn't build on these little things. Uh, he couldn't build on, you know, and all of the universe is, is created like that. So it shouldn't surprise us that this is the same way. God is bringing us into his presence. He's bringing us into that place in his glory. And how do we get there? We get there by those small steps. We get there by having the faith in the little things. Faith for things that we can't see. Faith for things that we can't touch, even if we can't touch them in our mind. Do you know how I live life? I live life in expectation of God. You might say, well, Pastor Jeff, what's your expectation? I don't know. I just expect him. I expect at any given point in time, God can move on me. Any given point in time, God could change my, my, my direction. Any point in time, God could do something new and probably will. That's how I live my life. And because of that, I live my life at least in that level of faith. And my life has progressed from there. But you know what God does with that? He builds on everything. Because God is a builder. He's not a wrecking ball. He's never a wrecking ball. Even though some Christian songs say he is, God doesn't tear you down. He will break apart things. And you're, you know, a wrecking ball, when it goes in uh, to a building, you know, when you're remodeling, you don't use a wrecking ball. You know what I mean? I, I, I took a, I, I've taken, I've done some remodeling in my house. I mean, you may break some things apart, but you just don't, a wrecking ball has no, when you see a wrecking ball go, it just destroys everything. Anything that it touches, it destroys, because that's the purpose of it. Amen. It's not. It's swinging from a uh, from a single point, and it's just going back and forth, and whatever it's aimed at, that's what it destroys. God is not doing that. God is methodical. You know, if you use that same principle, if a surgeon used that same principle when they're trying to cut something out of you, you know, what if the surgeon came in with a, instead of coming in with a scalpel and a, you know all the stuff, he came in with a chainsaw? Yeah, I came in with a. Came in with a sledgehammer and said, well, we're going to get this tumor out of you. I, I think you'd probably keep the tumor. Amen. But this is the same thing with God. God isn't looking to destroy you. He's not uh, uh, looking at tearing you apart. God does want to remove, surgically remove some things in your life. And a lot of times it's wrong thinking that, that, you, that you have wrong. And he wants to implant, engraft the engrafted word of God. Is that scripture sound familiar? I can't remember the exact location. Praise the Lord, which is able to save your souls. The engrafted word that it's cut into us, that it's put into us. You know, uh, the Bible tells us to understand what the will of God is. The will of God is to build on the little faith, the little things that he started. And so what I want you to leave here tonight with is this. This, this understanding 
that regardless of where you're at, if you can trust, if you can have faith in God, if you can start there, that God wants to do something with it, then he will begin to do something with it. And the thing that he do, will do with it will be just as big and just as glorious as he has decided it to be. And I know this, that God isn't a respecter of persons, and so he does great things in people. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So even if you have to get martyred, they'll be talking about you for years, years to come. Amen?